0: Hi, I'm Dr. Eric Westman, and this is the Keto Made Simple podcast. Hi, everyone. It's my great pleasure to bring in, um, you know, I I could bring in cardiologists locally, and and, um, I could bring in experts who have a popular Twitter following uh, and, and are, you know, are known in the pop culture. But, you know that that's not my style, so I want you to hear from the experts who are who are you know in academia, who are who are making change, within the universities, within the kind of in the um, the trenches, if you will, of how do you bring this new knowledge in with the old knowledge, and and so because there's so many questions about cholesterol and, and LDL and heart disease, and we were all taught that this way of eating was going to be bad. And there's some people who just won't ever shift to the new paradigm. Um, But it's my great pleasure to bring in a really a world class, uh, you know, the former Canadian Cardiovascular Society president. Uh, He's taught many, I I think, Blair, I think you said you taught just about every practicing cardiologist you've been practicing so long and teaching in Canada. Uh, but you can shade that a little bit. But so Blair and I, Dr. O'Neill, uh, were uh, kind of cross paths uh, in the scientific world at um, giving the information at meetings. And, and I recall we gave a conference together in Toronto together at the Canadian annual meeting, uh, and it was great. I mean, it was packed. The cardiologists were 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 so ripe and so ready for this. And then there were these kind of wide-eyed. And yes, they were probably all all women. Why? Who were like they were the dietitians in the room, kind of all shocked that we were talking about eating fat and how this would be good for the heart. So anyway, that was a, it. Turns out that was a couple of years ago. We gave that talk together in Toronto, and uh, so I wanted to bring Blair uh, up for you to meet. And um, what we'll do is have uh, Dr. O'Neill um, do a twenty-minute, twenty-thirty, you know, however fast he talks. Um, there's slide or no slides? sorry, just to uh talk about where his experience, uh, you know, his personal experience, his experience as a teacher in the Canadian health system and academic world, and um, and then we'll open it up for questions. But so it's my great pleasure. So, um, from the northern climes in Canada, I uh want to introduce you to Dr. Blair O'Neill. How are you doing, Dr. O'Neill?
1: Very well. Thank you, Eric.
0: Thank you so much for being on. And, and I, I seem to remember you said you taught just about every interventional cardiologist in Canada. Is that, is Not that just
1: interventional cardiologists? But uh, I achieved uh, earned this gray hair for uh, a reason uh, being around so long that I have a contacts across the country, many of whom. I trained or hired in a division director position. So when uh, the current crew are looking for jobs, they're always uh, asking me, do you know so-and-so? Yes,
0: I actually taught them. (laughs) Now I'm remembering, uh, I think we were in um, Breckenridge at a lunch. Didn't you have a young cardiologist with you at the time? And sure enough, I mean, I can can vouch for this. (laughs) But thanks so much. And you're uh, talking to us from Edmonton. Today.
1: Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, yeah.
0: Fantastic. Well, I'm going to uh, say goodbye and come in. I'll be watching, of course. And um, uh, thanks for being out. So um, off uh, to you. All right.
1: Well, thanks again for the invite, Eric. I think you're doing a lot to clear up the confusion. In fact, uh, shameless plug, but because I uh, consider you so highly, uh, another resource that I'd recommend is this book of yours and Amy. Uh, that came out uh, just before Christmas, and um, your carb confusion, and and I know that this is what this course is all about: is ending the confusions about carb. There's tons of resources on the, the internet about this. Uh, some of it is accurate, but uh, you're inundated with information, and some of it is not very accurate. So kudos to you for trying to get people on on the right path. Um, and another interesting story about the end your carb confusion is uh, unbeknownst to each other, my wife and I actually ordered a copy of it. If I had been smarter, I would have uh, gotten you to sign a copy for Barb. Um, but, you know, we're, uh, we're big fans. So uh, Eric has flattered me with a little description of my background, but I- I'd like to give you some more. I am a very traditional cardiologist. I'm an interventional cardiologist. So the guy that comes in at two o'clock in the morning when you're having a heart attack, Uh, but I've always uh, prided myself on uh, uh, championing prevention, cardiac rehabilitation programs um, in my various leadership uh, roles. Actually, I come from the East Coast of Canada originally, was Division Chief at Dalhousie in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and then was recruited to the University of Alberta in Edmonton to help open the Heart Institute um, there, Um, along the way, uh, was president of the Canadian Cardiovascular Society, have lots of background in health policy, patient safety, and quality. So um, I think that has given me a lot of street credibility when my personal journey has brought me to keto. Um, Again, personal practice, I've been a lifelong active person, runner, boot camper, you name it. I love that stuff. I love in my 50s to be able to beat the 30-year-olds at boot camp um, because you don't get to be a cardiologist unless you're uh, ridiculously competitive. Um, But uh, over the years, uh, you notice that despite following all the guidelines, you know, watching the fat, um, having my high-fiber cereal with skim milk and a banana before my workout in the morning, you gradually put on weight. And one day, actually, a sister-in-law of mine uh, took a picture of my brother and I, who's 11 years older, and the familial resemblance was uh, around the midsection. And, you know, somebody prides himself, I'm in the public, I want to, you know, make an example uh, of what I'm trying to speak of. Um, uh, It was very depressing. And I began to realize that, you know, what I'd been advising patients to do for many years wasn't really working. Certainly, hadn't been working for me, Um, and a colleague introduced me to this whole concept of keto. And remember, most doctors, and when you're dealing with your doctors, you'll find that they don't know a lot about nutrition. Um, We're not taught it in medical school. We're not taught it in our residencies. Um, So this is really a new field. What I knew about nutrition was from the dieticians that I had worked with and had no reason to doubt other than the advice they were giving me and the advice they were giving my patients wasn't particularly working. But I discovered keto and it worked. As so many of you are finding out or have found out already, um, it works like a charm. And so you can't unsee that. And patients who are struggling with their weight, you want to help them. So, okay, let's try it. Um, And uh, it worked for my patients. Uh, And I expanded my knowledge, attended the meetings, crossed paths with experts in this area have been doing it since the early 90s, Um, and uh, expanded my expertise, read more around it, interacted with the experts, and have, I think, become one of those uh, experts as well that my colleagues come to. Uh, Indeed, it was kind of funny because I would have colleagues in my group uh, chase me down the hall saying, you know, Blair, Blair, um, I'm following your diet. Well, it's not actually my diet, but uh, you look great. Um, So that's my personal experience uh, that's been good. And the other uh, aspect, and uh, again, working with, uh, collaborating with, uh, uh, with Eric has sort of rekindled my interest in, in academic medicine, and you become an administrator, you kind of uh, leave it to others to write. But, you know, we've put together some articles that have made a difference. Uh, this one, and and again, I, I think it suggests that this ketogenic diet, this low carb lifestyle is becoming very, very mainstream. So this is from atherosclerosis, very mainstream um, journal, um, looking at the causes of block in people. Um, This was published or at least online in late 2019. It became the leading downloaded paper in 2019 and 2020 consecutively uh, showing the impact on, uh, um, uh, of ketogenic diets, who's interested in it. It's a lot of mainstream people that are thinking about it, at least if nothing else. So uh, certainly uh, important. And then uh, in collaboration with Eric as our editor, um, looking at other papers, again, this has been highly cited, highly downloaded. Um, eh, keto is starting to make a difference in in the world. And I, I think that's because of this epidemic of obesity, uh, which we've seen. And now 7 out of 10 adults are overweight or obese. Uh, obesity being a, a body mass index of over 30 Um probably at least four and in some states five uh, out, of, out of 10 Americans are actually categorized in that obese category. And the chilling thing is that four out of 10 of our children now um, are overweight or frankly obese. And we're now seeing something we never saw before, diabetes, type two diabetes, adult onset diabetes in our children. It's a true epidemic. And of course, we're seeing that in our adult population. In the 1960s, we would have been lucky to see 1% to 2% of our adult population with type 2 adult onset diabetes. Now you can't go through a cardiology ward without virtually every patient, 70% of them at least, um, have type 2 diabetes with all the complications that go along with diabetes. So I thought what I'd mainly focus on uh, this evening is to talk about the... um, heart and blood vessel, cardiovascular effects of, um, of obesity, uh, of overeating carbs. Um, all of us have a spectrum of tolerability to, to carbs, but the reason that we become overweight with them is because we can't eat carbs. Um, our body um, produces excess insulin, which stores that away, and we're expecting that we're going to have a famine. That never happens. So we're always feasting never having that famine. And so over the time, as I found out in my own life, even though I ran every day, um, I couldn't outrun a bad diet. And that bad diet was what was recommended and what is currently still recommended, a low-fat diet because of the concern that eating saturated fats leads to increasing LDL cholesterol, um, which clogs arteries. And that is a hypothesis that actually has never been shown um, it's really a hypothesis that only uh, really d- was derived in the end of the 1950s, uh, became very popularized by uh, famous nutritionists at the time, Dr. Ansel Keys. Um, and it became mainstream in a very short period of time. And all our guidelines, our food guidelines, which started in the early 70s, have been based on this premise that fat leads to high cholesterol, leads to heart disease. But really, uh, I've looked at the literature very carefully, there really is very poor evidence um, for that hypothesis. Prior to Ansel Keys, uh, there was lots of evidence that it's actually sugar in the diet that causes problems. Even in the late 1800s, it was well known. Some of the most famous um, physicians in history, uh, William Osler, um, who actually was a Canadian but um, developed internal medicine programs in the United States at Johns Hopkins uh, University wrote one of the first textbooks in internal medicine if you read his textbooks from the time it was clear avoid bread starchy foods um, eat healthy meats um, uh, if you want to live to be a ripe old age and somehow that got lost um, in in Europe Um, it was well known before the Second World War but again lost uh, and we're beginning to see a resurgence of what I would consider to be the true case, which is the carbohydrates that is poisoning us, causing us this long-term weight gain. Uh, and essentially, the the common mechanism is when you eat sugar, complex or simple sugars, um, insulin is produced. And if you just constantly take in uh, these nutrients, these sugars, your insulin level never goes down. Insulin is a growth hormone. It leads to expansion of your fat cells. Um, it leads to, um, we now know that uh, cancers in women, one out of two of them are related to overweight or obesity, likely related to long, prolonged insulin. Similar in men, about one out of two cancers are related to overweight, obesity, likely related to um, in insulin, uh, chronic insulin exposure. Insulin is a very important hormone, obviously, but any hormone that you're exposed to in excess for a prolonged period of time, you tend to become resistant to. So you become uh, insulin resistant, uh, we call that state. Eventually, you become so insulin resistant, you develop type 2 diabetes. In um, I wasn't sure, I had a little blackout here. Um, uh, In between that period of time that you develop frank diabetes, the insulin has very negative effects on your carbohydrate system. So if you have nice physiologic levels of insulin that rise and fall and rise and fall, uh, appropriate levels of fasting over the nighttime, um, insulin is actually a protective hormone. It's anti-atherosclerotic. Um, But chronic exposure to high doses of insulin, high levels of insulin, um, makes it more pro-thrombotic, pro-atherosclerotic. Those white cells want to stick to your vessel wall, want to penetrate your vessel wall. Um, They tend to make your LDL cholesterol um, abnormal. They oxidize it, etc. And so insulin in high levels actually becomes very counter-regulatory and very... Um, uh, bad for the system. And that leads to the cardiovascular diseases that we see are rampant now. So hypertension is probably the, the main one. And we consider hypertension almost a normal process of aging um, since 80 to 85% of us will uh, develop hypertension. Well, uh, at least on the standard American uh, diet, we will. Uh, one of the things we find with the ketogenic diet, it's very effective at reducing blood pressure. One of the things that happen if you have chronic high blood pressure for a prolonged period of time, probably because it's associated with this growth hormone insulin, is your blood vessels actually become very hardened. This whole old concept that our grandparents talked about of hardening the arteries is a real phenomenon. Once you get to that stage, it's very difficult to reverse it. But before that, when it's all related to increased nervous supply to the blood vessels, it's very reversible. And that's one of the things that we find that we can de-prescribe from our patients is their blood pressure medications, because all of a sudden their blood pressure becomes very easy to control when they're on a low carb or ketogenic uh, type of diet. Another disease that's becoming very prevalent in uh, this uh, day and age is heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. So in the olden days, I would say Um, most heart failure was caused after several heart attacks um, and your heart function was very reduced. And it's understandable that you would develop heart failure because your heart just isn't pumping uh, hard enough. But today the most common form of heart failure, again, as we get uh, on in years is heart failure preserved ejection fraction. So the ejection fraction is normal. Um, The problem is the heart becomes stiff because it's infiltrated with fibrotic tissue Again, insulin is a um, pro-fibrotic factor um, that uh, makes it difficult for the heart to stretch and accept the blood. If the heart can't stretch and accept the blood, the pressure behind the heart is going to build up. That's going to go to the lungs and you're going to feel short of breath when you do um, anything. So uh, again... Um, we're finding an epidemic particularly again in overweight obese individuals where you'd expect those insulin levels to be high for long long periods of time but again early on it can be perfectly reversible finally another um, uh, issue that's very common i'm sure you all know people who have irregular heartbeat have to take blood thinners To reduce the risk of stroke, it's called atrial fibrillation. It can either occur intermittently or it can occur uh, chronically. Um, And again, that's related to that same process of fibrosis, fibrotic tissue replacing the normal muscle tissues, this time in the atria rather than the pumping, the ventricle pumping chamber of the heart. Um, But it's enough for the electrical impulses to be dispersed, um, to cause a short-circuiting and to lead to this atrial fibrillation. I have an anecdotal patient um, story I'd like to share about this. So this is an ex um, special services, very fit in his prime um, guy um, who was plagued with atrial fibrillation. He'd be in the emergency room two to three times a month to get electrically cardioverted. So he's got to get zapped, then goes get goes home. Um, by the time he saw me, he said he was fired by his electrophysiologist. Electrophysiologist was trained as most of us are, um, and just said, you know, lose weight, uh, you know, the, these episodes will get better. And of course, he tried all the methods and he went to a regular dietitian and low fat reducer calorie count. And of course, not, nothing happened. And so um, one of the nurse practitioners in that clinic knew that uh, in the same sort of clinic complex, there um, was this O'Neill guy who um, believed that he could help people by um, ketogenic diet. So he came to me, um, we had a, you know, good heart to heart, uh, talk. He was willing to do anything. And so, um, basically we just used Eric's, um, program, uh, that famous page four, um, got him to ditch the carbs, um, eat meat, at lib Um, and he lost weight, his measurements improved tra- dramatically. This guy, again, special services, but he was short of breath um, going from the parking lot of his office building to the front door. So much so that the commissioner there um, uh, talked to his CEO and said, you know, what's wrong with this guy? He's, you know, he's going to have a heart attack. He's just walking to the door. So after uh, losing 50 pounds on keto measurements, much better. Um, that, uh, that winter, he actually went to one of our, uh, famous ski hills here, skied with his family, something he hadn't been able to do for about 10 years. Um, no more episodes of atrial fibrillation, no more episodes, uh, going to the emergency room. And actually the, the standard approach to these people is what's called ablation, where you use electrical and create an electrical fence around where these short circuits are occurring. There is at least one trial that shows that diet is about equally effective because there are a lot of recurrences after people undergo this electrical ablation procedure. So he was fortunate, didn't have it, used the ketogenic diet um, and solved his uh, situation. He's just one, he's very dramatic. I just remember that story when he came in and bragged to me about being able to ski with his family, something he hadn't been able to do for a decade. But it's just an example of using real food, natural food uh, to be prescribed to make people feel tremendously better um, uh, rather than pills, which often don't make you feel a lot better, have a whole raft of other side effects. Um, so, so you know, this stuff works. And uh, it, as a practitioner, it is tough to unsee um, when you have a personal benefit as such as I have. But then when you have patients, uh, you know, patient after patient, um, who describe, you know, thinking more clearly, feeling better, coming off their medications. I haven't even talked about diabetes. I'm not a diabetes expert, but I do uh, take care of my share of diabetic patients. um, And uh, obviously, we can get patients off their diabetic medication. In fact, probably the best trial evidence for getting patients off... Welcome to Fuller Butts, a behind-the-scenes plastic surgery podcast. Yes, you heard that right. Join your co-hosts, Dr. Sam Fuller and Dr. Dan Butts, board-certified plastic and reconstructive surgeons, on an exclusive full-access pass into the world of plastic surgery.
0: Combining their expertise and training, doctors Fuller and Butts will share medical insights, detailed explanations, and lighthearted humor to keep you entertained and informed. We're certain you'll become passionate about the plastic surgery specialty. And between debunking myths, uncovering
1: truths, or just making you laugh out loud at their perspective on this creative and artistic field, we've got something for everyone. Um, for instance, um, is on a ketogenic diet. Um, And we know, um, we haven't talked about the lipids and I should really do that. I know Eric wants me to do it and it is uh, an area of controversy. So uh, again, just to step back um, uh, about the the lipid story, personally, I was an investigator in many of the original statin trials. So the TNT treating the new targets that showed that we should get that LDL cholesterol down to 2.0 um and uh you know that was you know replicated in patients with uh coronary disease not primary prevention but in patients with coronary artery disease um but we noticed in that trial that there were some patients and we called this residual risk that ldl treating the ldl cholesterol and even getting it below 2.0 uh millimoles per liter 100 milligrams per cent sorry got uh, to gotta do the conversion rapidly um there were still significant patients at risk. And who were those patients? Well, this other thing, HDL cholesterol, the good cholesterol, if it was low, um, particularly when we divided patients into sort of five levels of HDL, the two lowest levels really got minimal benefit from having their LDL cholesterol um, lowered out, not understanding why, what that really means. Um, we were, we look for, well, then just let's just find a molecule that'll raise the HDL. So actually I ended up being chair of the global international study, looking at a molecule called, which was going to be the next home run when combined with a atorvastatin or Lipitor. Um, but unfortunately as all good clinical trials do, there's a data safety and monitoring. I was on the endpoint committee. Um, And uh, it it basically showed that even though HDL went up 60%, 70%, uh, the the outcomes were poorer in that group. Obviously, we were raising HDL, but it wasn't functional HDL. We didn't know what the heck we were doing is the bottom line. And now that we understand this whole process more, what's going on, those patients are all insulin resistant. They're all carb intolerant. Um, And um they're not only is their hdl low their triglycerides are often up so when i'm looking screening patients in the cath lab what do i look at i look at their cholesterol profile their lipid profile and i look at i don't even really pay much attention to their ldl i'm looking at their triglycerides and hdl and oh yeah triglycerides abnormal, hdl low um even if they are on a statin they have disease i'm going to put them on a statin it's the best we got until um, we can prove that simple diet alone will be effective, but, uh, I can tell you what I know will be more effective. What I think will be more effective is getting them on a ketogenic or low carbohydrate diet to fix those triglycerides and HDL. And that's the most effective therapy we have. No pills, um, have worked. Um, and, but we know from trials and we know from personal experience that if we want to fix triglycerides, HDL, as well as a number of other factors um, that lead to heart disease, um, the ketogenic diet is the best way to go. And I was just about to talk about diabetes and the same trial, uh, the Verda group from the uh, West Coast. Although this trial was done um, in uh, University of uh, Indiana um, and randomized patients to a traditional approach, face to face with a dietitian, low-fat diet versus a Verda trial. Um, using a ketogenic diet. And they were able to measure the fact that these patients, yes, they were actually uh, producing ketones in their blood. So they were being very compliant, very adherent uh, to their diet. Um, And again, they found that 50% of these patients were able to come off insulin if they were on it. 90% were able to either come off it or uh, reduce their insulin level. And many of the other diabetic medications actually were reduced. And again, that's the beauty of this diet is from a physician perspective, you can actually de-prescribe rather than prescribe. Um, And that's a tremendous advantage. And I know many of my patients, when I talk to them heart to heart, would prefer not to take pills if they didn't have to. Um, But I have to provide them with good evidence that, okay, not taking a pill is going to be advantageous and I'm not gonna disadvantage you by not putting you on a prescription Um, For for something. So do I use statins? Absolutely. If you've had a heart attack, then the evidence uh, says use it. But I would also remind you that that evidence was gathered in a population um, that were eating lots of carbohydrates as recommended by our dietary guidelines. We don't really know if statins work as well um, in a low-carb population, but we have to go with the evidence. And as a cardiologist, that's what I do. Um, I'm really loath to use them in primary prevention. I would use all sorts of other strategies to avoid it, whether it's calcium uh, scores or um, uh, intimal, media, intimal media thicknesses and ultrasounds of the neck. Um, and I think if you don't have atherosclerosis, then uh, the number needed to treat on a statin is very, very high. Um, and if you look at all the other metrics that we can measure, CRP levels, uh, measures of inflammation, Um, triglycerides, HDL. The one thing that goes up, and Eric has said this, it's unfortunate. The one thing that can go up in about a third of patients is the LDL and everybody freaks out. Um, But in primary prevention, I'm not as concerned and I'll use one of these other tests to try to reassure other practitioners that they're not going to blow up um, uh, because their LDL has gone up and every other measure um, that we know is beneficial to patients in the long term um, is improved. And in diabetics, that's the hemoglobin A1c or pre-diabetics. That's the hemoglobin A1c that we just see so effectively treated. Um, and, and again, it's a sign of, um, how the profession sometimes is misled by biomarkers. So we talked about LDL, but hemoglobin A1c is one of those biomarkers. We use it to measure how good we are at controlling um, the diabetes, but we're not really thinking about the root cause. So we can add insulin. You're already insulin resistant, but we can add more insulin, um, and control your hemoglobin A1C. But in another year, you weigh more and we'll have to use more insulin to reduce your hemoglobin A1C. Yet, if we treat you with diet, you weigh less, your hemoglobin A1C can go back to normal, often does without medications. And we know insulin and other, um, insulin producing like the sulfonylureas, glycoside, for example, actually um, uh, increase your chances of a, of a worse outcome, but they make your hemoglobin A1C better. So again, that's an example of how we as a profession sometimes misinterpret uh, a biomarker um, because we're thinking of the wrong evidence and not thinking about, well, oh, what's the root cause of this? Can we fix the root cause of this? Um, and I think uh, those of us who practice ketogenic medicine and low carb lifestyles are trying to think about how do we address the root causes of many of these diseases, whether it's high blood pressure, whether it's heart disease, whether it's heart failure, atrial fibrillation or diabetes. So on that note, maybe I'll end here and leave lots of time for questions. And I think uh, Lisa is going to um, uh, um, tally up your questions and, and put them in an organized fashion. Thank you
0: so much. You know, I wondered if you saw the paper. It was kind of a sleeper. I've uh, done at Penn and Publi- uh, University of Pennsylvania, and published in October in Science, where they looked at what the heart actually used in terms of fuel. Yeah, I remember talking to the, the old wizened cardiology professor. Say, you know, you put the fuel in a petri dish with the heart muscle, and you know, fat it picks up fat. Well. There was a formal study done with modern metabolomics back in October, published in the journal Science, and and their you know um, very measured abstract said this. It said, um, um, in, "Let's see, the re- results confirmed that hearts voraciously consume fatty acids." <laughs> so, yeah, in fact, there was a whole line of research where the cardiologists were trying to force glucose. Into the cells with insulin during heart attacks, right? I mean, yes, I don't know if you ever got involved with those studies, but they were all negative. I, I mean, they must. Just so the, the paradigm was let's just force more sugar in; it must be good, it must be good. And 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 yet there was this basic understanding of biochemistry and physiology that heart muscle really actually likes ketones and fatty acids and lactate and uh, anyway. So uh, that was a great uh, paper. Thanks so much for your. Um, your commentary and your background and sharing your, your wisdom really, you know that's what we're looking for um, to help the younger doctors now who are you know advising our patients otherwise.. If you enjoyed this video, be sure to like, subscribe and hit the notification bell and check out adapterlifeacademy.com.